Hey guys, and welcome. I'm Life Coach Meg Ellis. It's time for you to stop coasting through life, and it's time for you to find your purpose. It's time for you to create your fate. Feeling ready to create your fate? Don't just think about it. Take inspired action. And yes, this is officially your sign because there are still a few spots left in my Create Your Fate Yoga and Mindfulness Retreat in August taking place in Canton, Texas that I am hosting with my amazing friend, Jose Portillo, who I know y'all have heard on the podcast. So visit letscreateyourfate.com for more information and I'll see you all there. Hey guys, today I am here with, oh my gosh, someone I'm so excited to talk with today, Chris Chandler. How are you doing? (laughs) Oh my God. I saw you in Austin a couple of weeks ago and we had the most amazing conversation. I'm like, oh my God, you've got to come on the podcast. So thank you for being here. so happy to be here. Oh my gosh. And y'all are in for a treat if you do not know who Chris Chandler is. The Chris Chandler, right? (laughs) Master and Director at Soul Cycle. I mean, I feel like you've got so many titles. I don't even know where to start. You know, because you're clearly. You know, it's my Enneagram Seven. I'm yeah, enthusiastic I was say. about a lot of different things. <laughs> you and... are clearly a Seven, which I love. <laughs> and honestly, it's so true for you. You are one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met. Oh my goodness! Thank it's, you. It's addicting, right? So you're not just a Soul Cycle Master Instructor. <laughs> Uh, you are an integrative nutrition health coach. Yes. You are a network marketing professional. Yes. A husband. Uh-huh. A dog dad. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anything? Um, I'm a brother. Brother. I am a lover of life. I am a forever student. Love I that. am someone who loves to get to the root of things. Mm-hmm. I am someone who does straight talk. It's the only straight thing about me. Um, <laughs> Which I love uh, that too. <laughs> straight talk. We'll get, we'll get into the that. Only, yeah, we'll get into uh, all yeah, that. And, and I love, I love when the question of like, who are you? What in like the first thing that we typically talk about is like our titles. Right, right. I'm reading this book right now and they talk about this declaration document of all the things that you are Mm -hmm. outside of that. And it's like, I am dot, 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 dot. And my mother named me whatever your name is. And it's just so interesting to think about like the inherent qualities of who you are. What book is that? Outside of the titles, but then it's called the ultimate coach. I'll send it to you. Yes. Um, I would love to read that. And because we're both coaches, we Mm -hmm. both care about, human beings being their most truthful, authentic selves. And authentic is such a buzzword these days. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is whatever makes you light up, whatever feels like a big hell yes to you, whatever feels like you are living into who you truly are, mm-hmm. that is what I mean by authentic. Like best life ever. Best life ever. Well, and you know, You'll also, if you, I, I sing some things like sometimes. See I, the sevens, you know, like you're just enthusiastic about it, you know. Here we are. Here we are. Let's talk about it all. Okay, I sang on the <laughs> podcast one time, and I'll never do that again. <laughs> 
<laughs> people were like writing in like, please don't sing on your podcast ever again. Maybe never again <laughs> use that, whatever yeah. that was. Every every now and again, you know, on the mic and, and soul cycle, actually, I guess I speak into a mic a lot, but I'll sing and I'll randomly hit a good, I, I mean, I, I'm more of like a low note kind of girl, <laughs> but every now and again, I really hit hit the key and I'm like, oh my God, that sounded really good. I don't want to ruin it and do anymore. <laughs> right. I'm done. Thank you. I'm, and I'm done. We'll have and another. I take a bow. Thank right. you. Mic drop. See you later. <laughs> so, oh my God, two Enneagram sevens, like, like we live in the tangents, right? A hundred percent. And I love it's it. It's like squirrel. What's happening? Okay, go there. And then circle right back. And then, ooh, that's an amazing something over there. Let's check it out and then come back. And, and come it's back. just... But it's, you can follow. You can also follow tangents because it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I got you. Keep going. Yep, nope, no need to back mm-hmm. up. Yep, I'm there. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. everyone else is like, wait, what? <laughs> Where? What planet what are planet, they on? What planet are you on? What drugs are they taking? <laughs> I just want half. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. Um, before we get any further, I want to clear for anybody listening right now. Number one. George, my dog. Dog dad, yes. I'm dog. We have three dogs here. Um, (laughs) George has separation anxiety, and I am currently in our guest bedroom, and George is currently outside the door (laughs) going like, He's a So if you hear that in the background, just embrace all that is our life. You know what? That's just a a sign that you're a really good dog dad. Is it, or am I codependent (laughs) with my dogs? (laughs) I mean, my dog sleeps in bed with me, so... I'm not going to tell you that it's a bad thing. <laughs> right. I hear you. And then the other thing is, I don't know what about you in Houston, Meg, but mm-hmm. allergies in Austin oh are God. insane. So mm-hmm. forgive me if I am coughing or anything like that. Just wanted to clear that. Yes. That was me a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't know I had a yellow car, but I do have a yellow car. <laughs> it's normally white, <laughs> but it's All covered the pollen. in pollen. <laughs> All yeah. the pollen everywhere. And, and bird shit, which, you know, that just happens. Neither here nor there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing to do with allergies, but I'm just really annoyed with the bird shit that's on my car right now. But see, tangents. But we're, we're going to get through this because we got so right. much amazing stuff. Uh, you know, and, and even just you literally resonate authenticity. But you you literally, it like, happiness just, like, bounces off of your body. Like, it's... it's mm. um, it's like magnetic or something, you know, like you are a magnetic person. And I know I'm not the first person who has ever told you that you've gotten that you have to have. It feels weird to say yes, but yes, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. you are like your energy is just yes. so good. And, and do you just attribute that to, Hey, I'm just living my best life or what? Oh boy. I think that I was born out of the womb with this vivacious energy for life. And it, don't get me wrong, this does not mean that I have that all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's funny, I think of how we're born with this childlike sense wonder and it's encouraged, we're encouraged to ask questions. We're like, what does that mean? We learn, we learn the scientific method, all this other stuff. And then at some point around, I don't know, 
13, 14, shit starts to get real. And you're like, oh, I have to prepare for college because after college, I need to get a job. And then after mm -hmm. I get a job, I need to have a family. And after I have a family, I need to have kids. And after I have kids, I have to make sure that they go to college and that they're set up. And then by the time you're done, you're like, I'm 65 and I'm just wanting to live my life on my terms now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've always, number one, um, moved away from that because growing up gay, I never really thought that I would have a family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or if I did have a family, it was because I had to, not because it was possible for me yeah. and I would have to like suppress my sexual feelings and be who I believed God wanted me to be. Right. Right. And, um, but, but from growing up gay in the church and all that other stuff, I've, I've, I've recognized what a, uh, the right term what a blessing life is especially when you choose the life mm -hmm. yeah. that you want to live yeah and so I think that's where long story endless where my energy comes from it's like I felt this childhood like sense childhood like curiosity then I felt like I couldn't be myself mm -hmm. and then from there I was like, no, that's very, that's a long bridge right there. But from there being like, no, this is my life to live. Like I'm supposed to live life in the truest form for me. Right, right. And so, so now I feel like that has, that impacts everything that I do. Yeah. And you can tell, you know, and, and I don't know what your, your life looked like along your, your personal journey. And, and I'd love to dive into that. But I mean, unlocking who you truly are. It just, I, I, this, the only feeling and, and way I can describe it is it, you literally just resonate yourself and your authenticity. But mm -hmm. did you always feel that way? You know, or what, what got you to this, this point, you know? Yeah, I would say I did feel that way growing up mm -hmm. before other people or not other people because, but society told me to be in a box mm -hmm. or in order to be liked, you must be X, Y, and Z, or in order to be successful, you must be A, B, C. And so I feel like that is inherently who I am. Like yeah. I am. It, well, currently now I'm, I'm 32 years old and I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I have this, I almost feel like an onion too of, okay, I did what was necessary to get through all the steps that society says to for your childhood into adulthood. And now yeah. I'm an adult and now I'm peeling back all the layers of that building up to adulthood that no longer mm -hmm. resonate with who I am or yes. who were never my, that was never me in the first place. Mm -hmm. And a big seg, a big proponent or propeller. I think probably them. both. Um. <laughs> something that accelerated that was the death of my dad mm -hmm. and it's so funny that we are actually having this conversation too with and talking about my dad because I think after my dad died grief became a part of my identity mm-hmm like when I first introduced myself to people in the first two minutes, it became something that I was very much found value in identifying as. Yeah. 
And now it's, I don't believe when I am talking about my identity, I don't, the grief is no longer a part of that story. Mm-hmm. It's simply a couple sentences in the chapters of my life. Yeah. So, but very important sentences where it's not necessarily, this is who I am. It's, yeah. this has made me who I am. Right. It's a part of you. Because when it first happened, it was so all encompassing mm-hmm. and so earth shattering that in a world where I wanted to cling on to something, grief was the only thing that mm-hmm. I could cling on to. Yeah. No, I, I, that resonates with me. Um, I don't, I don't know the story, the whole story behind your dad dying. If you, how, yeah. how old were you? And it sounds like it was a sudden thing. It wasn't sudden, um, which made it even more of a mind fuck. Can I say that on this podcast? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. You can okay. say anything <laughs> you want. <laughs> you seriously. Sometimes the only word that's necessary <laughs> that explains the feeling is fuck. Can I Honestly. get a fucking amen? And fucking you can amen. use it so many times in so many different ways you know it's, <laughs> it's so versatile you know so okay versatile. let's back up a little bit um i knew i was gay probably or at least i knew i was different in, mm-hmm. in kindergarten first grade yeah and the, is I, this the not this is the 90s right? this is the 90s Late, yeah this is the 90s so i'm 35 I in, and i was in kindergarten in 92 so yeah yeah i was born in um 89 okay yeah so I knew I was different growing up. I gravitated towards things that typically other girls liked. And um, I, I, I was a feeler. I felt things mm-hmm. in a big way. Excuse me. Um, and I knew I was gay officially in right when I hit puberty. Mm-hmm. And... I had a wet dream and the person in my other dream was a man. And I was just like, <gasps> I woke up with this extreme red hot shame. Yeah. Cause you grew up in the church. Body. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and me so I forgot like, that detail. Well, you mentioned it before, but, yeah. and we have very similar. Um, oh, there's George. He's like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> there's George, everybody. <laughs> so you grew up in the church and, and, Again, this is the 90s, and things were a lot different back then, right? There mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of openness around homosexuality. It, and if your church was anything like my church, it was um, very, I think my mom called it an abomination, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was not very openly even talked about or welcomed, which is really scary for a kid, you know? Very scary. And, you know, church was our social stratosphere in growing up. I went to church like three times a week. Same. I was a part of the youth group. I was, we had our like in school youth group that we did. And I went to church on Saturday and Sunday. It was very much a part of everything that we did. And I went to like a cool church. It was a cool church. <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> they would have themes for the Sunday services that they would go through. And I remember there was a theme of the four little monsters and it was like Pac-Man, you know, the, the, oh, with the, the little... ghosts that they eat. Yeah. yeah. And it was like the four hot topics. So it was abortion, homosexuality and whatever else there was. And yeah. they dedicated one week each week to one of those topics. And with homosexuality, I remember sitting in the 
in the stands stands it's not pews because it's, we definitely did in the auditorium oh so you wait and, you really did have a cool church then oh yeah it was a mega church with the light mega shows church. and yeah, all the things hundred, with the yeah. fog and everything <laughs> yeah completely and necessary the, the pastor comes out to the music Jesus. yeah yeah bring, bring, mm-hmm. you know i don't know um, what song that is but yeah yeah and i remember really being excited for the homosexuality session because I wanted to learn more because everything that the Bible said from the Bibles that I had, I had a student life application Bible, which is like a Bible watered down and any of the hot (laughs) topics that you can think of are in the back in a glossary with like a little note about what they mean. And so homosexuality was in the back and in it, it said, this is a sin do not act on any of your sexual desires. Reach out to a Christian counselor immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was it. You're like, thanks. Like, oh, this is great. Shit. Like, all, all, I'm like, oh my gosh, who I am is like, I need to stop being who I am. Yeah. I need to not act on who I am. And I need to be fixed by a therapist. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Honestly, like a counselor. the pray the gay away thing was a big thing. I mean, I, I hope. I hope it's less now, but yeah. that was kind of it back then. It was like, no, 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 like you, you have to go to therapy. This is not right. This is not okay. Like there's yeah. no wiggle room with it. Nothing. Yeah. And I was, there's so much toxic nature to this, the phrase, love the sin or hate the sin. Mm-hmm. That is what my church really hounded was this is a sin, hate the sin, but love the person who is sinning. And I didn't fully understand how that was possible. Like, how can you love me and love what I'm doing when like all my straight friends are having sex already and they're being promiscuous and doing all this other shit, but they're not being talked about. I'm like, I, it was, it was really traumatic for me. And I, I ironically was, went to a conservative Christian university. Mm, Where'd you go? I went to Azusa Pacific University. Where's that? It's in LA L- oh, or like LA okay. area. Got it. Yeah. Cause you're, um, you're a Cali. I'm from Chicago. Chicago. Actually. Okay. You've lived I, everywhere. Your well, sis- just Chicago, California and Austin. Okay. Those and your sister lives in California still. She just moved here. To Austin. She just moved Thank back. God. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Oh, that's so exciting. So um, and so it was my theology and biblical studies professors in college that actually helped me break this down and deconstruct what, what I was actually reading. Mm-hmm. And from, it helped me, they helped me love myself as I am and recognize that I could be loved by God or what yeah. we perceived as God. And it was life-changing. And my dad was very, we had an incredible relationship and reflecting on our relationship, we had a lot of conflict because we are very similar. Mm. Like he was enthusiastic was about he, a lot of things He was a seven? I, I really think he was a seven. Oh, my dad's a seven. Yeah, and, and Oh my gosh. Yeah. It must run in the families. I guess so. He's really <laughs> fun. <laughs> and that's the thing is my dad was so fun. He was the life of the party. And when he had something on his mind, he couldn't be persuaded otherwise. And so yeah. his thing was the Bible was the literal truth of God, like mm-hmm. literal word. And there was no saying otherwise. Whatever he had in his hand was absolute truth, which he didn't understand. History and yeah. 
interpretations, translations, yeah. interpretations, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really battled over this homosexuality thing because although he never, I never came out to him prior to him being in hospice, mm-hmm. I, I was testing the waters. Yeah. To see, because I was, I was sharing what I was learning in college and yeah. We had friends, my sister had friends who were gay and all this other stuff. And um, I ended up being able to come out to him before he died. And it was a really beautiful experience because my dad was diagnosed with cancer in May of 2012, Mm -hmm. March of 2012. And he died in May of 2013. And in that 13, 14 month journey of cancer, it was filled with ups and downs. So he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Mm-hmm. He had surgery. He went into chemo afterwards. And after one round of chemo, they did a PET scan. And if you don't know what a PET scan is, you like drink this liquid and the liquid is supposed to attach to the cancer cells and light them up so that when you go through this test, it shows in your body where the cancer is. And the PET scan, PET scan came back completely clear so it was a big deal god's doing it was miraculous it was this it was that and so it 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 a couple months later the cancer returned and went into his lungs and and all this other stuff and so then it was even more of a journey and Mm -hmm. more chemo and he ended up passing in may of 2013 but it was this roller coaster ride yeah. which is similar to like my dad's life. It was up and down and up and down. And same thing with my journey of growing up and being super enthusiastic and loving life and yeah. then recognizing that I'm an abomination. And then, yeah. but what about this? And here's something that I love. And so I'm going to pour all of myself into it. But don't think about that because we can't go down that road because society doesn't allow us to right. and so on and so forth. And so coming out to my dad, there were, especially when you recognize it's the end of your life, a lot of the things that you held so tightly onto your group, your grip loosens. Mm-hmm. God, can I speak right now? Your grip loosens. Maybe sing it. <laughs> your grip loosens. Um, See, there we go. And there were little signs along the way that I knew my dad would accept me. Yeah. But it was still very hard because yeah. I was still deconstructing what I believed about myself right, with you... an identity of being gay. Right. I mean, because it's not just a, oh, my professor told me, explain this this Bible verse and how this can actually mean this and this can actually mean this. And this is the interpretation of this and, um, you know, different things like that. It's you're not just unpacking a verse. You're unpacking years of not being your authentic self and the feelings that go along with that. That's a lot. And the body keeps score. In more ways yes. than one. Oh my gosh, it's so true. It's so interesting because, little tangent here, we've been talking in the past three years about, okay, well, kids are so resilient, especially with the pandemic. Like, kids are resilient, kids are resilient, kids are resilient. And I believe that to be true. Kids can push through. But why are there so many adults now? If kids are so resilient, why are there so many adults now working through their childhood trauma shit, right? learning to love their inner child. Yes. It's because they weren't allowed to be who they were at that point in their childhood. And so now they've got to repack and relearn and understand who they are and get rid of the shit that's no longer theirs. Oh and so when gosh. I think about people yes. saying resilience, like people are resilient, that is true. 
we can do really hard things and push through so that an end goal can be met, whatever that end goal can mean. And if you are not being your true, full, authentic self in that process, it's not resilience. Mm -hmm. It's called muting what you want. It's called pushing through and doing what's necessary. It's not being you. Right. And I recognize how much I was pushing through. Yeah. And how I was. Yeah. And I mean, you're like, I keep saying this and if you follow his page after um, get to know him if you're in Austin or wherever you go, because you're you're everywhere, seven. <laughs> but um, you know, you're you're just like a light, right? You have like this this light, and to think about you not having that light or just ha- feeling like you have to dim it, it's just so sad because your light touches so many people, right? And it's it's really sad to think of you with the dimmer light because you felt like I I can't be this way. I have to be. I have to, it can't be this big. I have to be small because small is going to, I mean, as a child, especially in your situation with the church and honestly, you're an abomination. Like, first of all, that's a lot of responsibility for a child. Right. Um, exactly. And that's really sad. And also it's really unsafe. Now I don't feel safe. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you get past the safety part of it? You know, right. Like, I mean, especially as an Enneagram seven and I'll, give you a little Enneagram breakdown here. You have a wing six, which is the loyalist, but safety. And so you take on qualities of your wings. So your eight wing, which um, is the challenger, really um, focus on impact and uh, impact for the world. But you take on qualities of the, the two wings, so the six and the eight. So the six values security and safety. It's so much a part of you. Right. And so if you don't have that, it's like, whoa, this huge chunk of me doesn't feel right. And if something doesn't feel right, then you don't feel like yourself. Right. A hundred percent. I like to think of it as a teeter totter where now I feel pretty balanced where I can like (laughs) spread my wings and fly my little rainbow wings, you know? Yeah. Um, And before, because I had to mute part of who I was, Mm -hmm. all I did was I amplified everything else. Mm -hmm. So achievement was one of the ways that I found security. Mm -hmm. Um, Being involved in so many different things, because that is what brought me worth, because I knew that I had unworthy parts about me. And then it's so funny that you talk about my wing as like the challenger and, and creating impact for the world. Like that has to do with, there are so many great things that I actually learned from a faith-based childhood, Mm -hmm. my heart yearns for people to know that they are loved and that they are safe and that everybody deserves equality and all these like beautiful attributes of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just wanted to say that because it it clicked for me right there. Yeah. And it's, it's, that is like, if you want to be your whole self, you got to show up as your whole self, Mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, you're this like unique little, you know, piece of the pie here. And if, if if you turn off certain things about you because you don't feel that they're going to be accepted or feel safe if if, you know, they're 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 out there for people to know, then you can't really like you're doing a disservice to the people around you because the world needs you to show up as you. Right. Mm-hmm. Not uh, there's this quote and and I might be kind of um botching it a little bit it's like 
I am not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I, I am who I think you think I should be. Yeah. You know, and if you show up that way, it's sad, you know, it's, it's super interesting because going back to soul cycle, when people first start out as instructors, they oh, yeah. <laughs> think that's that's the story of their life. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm gonna need to be what everybody else needs me to be, and therefore I will be successful. When yeah. in reality, bringing what lights you up and your uniqueness to the job is right. what makes you successful because everybody's gonna come to each person for something different. Yeah. And when you bring your full self and you stop trying to be what everyone else needs you to be, then you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. this is my superpower. Right, this right. Is, I get to keep going. It's fascinating. And it's so funny because it's, it's. I'm going to say simple, not to be confused with easy because it's like hard as shit, but it's so simple. Show up as yourself, right? And then there's all these blockages, um, you know, most of them stem from childhood, but uh, as to, no, 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 I can't show up as myself. I'm supposed to show up as this person. And sometimes, here's the real mind fuck: is in this role, I'm going to show up this way. Oh, let me walk down the street, be in this role, or be around this group of people, or this, this, you know, family, friends, um, you know, coach. I'm going to be this way here, and then this way here, and then this. I'm these people need me to be this way here, and it's like, well, who am I, right? It's like you're so far gone from who you're meant to be because we overthink it. It's like, show Mm -hmm. up as yourself, right? If people don't like you, they're not for you. Absolutely. I think of this in terms of branding, too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when people think of themselves as a business, they lose the magic that is (laughs) themselves. So we're both coaches, right? Yeah. We We help people see themselves fully and not because we are greater than them, but because we are a safe space for them to ask questions and to be mirrors for them and so on and so forth to allow source energy to flow through us. What that does not mean as coaches for us is that we have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What it means is that we are in the work with you. Right, right. We're open to the work. We're open to the work. (laughs) And a a lot of times people think that coaches need to be masters at Mm -hmm. what they're doing, which is there is is validity in some sense. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that we are never done doing the work. It's always a a reevaluation, a coming to self, a creating space, allowing energy to flow of yeah. seeing, is this right for me deep down in my soul? Mm-hmm. Is this programming from my childhood? Is this programming from a past relationship? Is mm-hmm. this something that I, that I used to do to keep myself safe that is no longer necessary to bring a part into my life, you know? Right. Ooh, yeah. And it, it makes me really hopeful to have this conversation with you, another coach, because we're doing the work as well mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when you were talking about, you said something along the lines of doing what other people want us to do. Like, that's something that I'm reprogramming in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. And even just taking time to be quiet with myself and being like, am I on this path? Because other people said I would be successful in this. And therefore, 
I must stay in that path. Right. Because you yeah. said being successful was so important to you at a certain point in time. And I'm sure it still is. But right. um, you're not attached to it. Right. Right. Um, not saying that you can't be successful or it's bad to be successful or safe or whatever it is, but you're not attached to the outcome, right? Right. Like my my image of success at 18 is drastically different <laughs> than my image of success at 32, which I believe will be drastically different than yeah. of my, when I'm 50, you well, know? Well, my idea of success here's the thing about and and i love the way you phrased it with the onion layer you know mm-hmm. like because that's kind of you know who we are even as, as coaches as humans um as a forever student it's like okay you heal something in you and then you're like wow i feel great and then it's like oh oh there's more under there it's like oh now i gotta you know evolve and move on to the next thing right oh i thought i was healed it's like no there's there's no like summit to personal development right there's always right. more and i even look back i made a dream board in september this was like six seven months ago i was looking at it and i had checked off a lot of the things right mm-hmm. which was amazing which is another i a thousand percent will endorse a dream board because you have to look yeah. at it and or whatever that looks like to you, a digital dream board or a vision statement, whatever it is. And uh, I saw some things on there that I didn't actually want anymore. And it hmm. identified, hey, I don't not want this anymore because I'm talking myself out of it or I'm fearful or I'm afraid of what people will say. That's not why it's not I don't want it on there anymore. But I'm like, I outgrew my my vision of success from seven months ago. I'm like, whoa, because if you keep allowing yourself to grow, then your vision grows too. So I'm like, right. okay, this piece of it is way too small now. Like I want way more, you know, that's seven too, but you know, right. just no, like, and you're allowed to let yourself grow and change. And, you and know. it's not because you were, you're better now than you were before. It's that you're in a different space. In a different and space. And you feel like yourself more. You're like, oh, wow, I am capable of this. Because I, right. like in seven months, tested my my my, my superpowers, right? And right. this is stronger now. And I, this felt good. So I do more of this. And this is actually not for me or, you know? And um, yeah. actually, I'll put, I'll put this on here. I had six months ago, I put, I want to be on the at home soul cycle bike. That was on my, my goal list. And mm-hmm. I, um, I'm going to take that off. And okay, tell me more. It's not because I don't want to be on that anymore. Um, but I sat down with it and said, why do I want to do this? Right. And I don't think I'd put that much thought into it before. And I was like, okay, I want to be in front of people. I want um, exposure for impact, right? My wing eight. And like, I want to have a voice and I want to just have a, a really large platform. And I'm like, okay, actually nothing about that has anything to do with like, it, that's a, that's a channel, but it's not the source. Right. And Absolutely. if you focus on the channel versus the source, then you kind of you go away from the source right the source right. is no i want to create impact um nationally globally on a large platform and i'm like whoa i've discovered some other ways to do that that actually feel more authentic to me yeah right so it's just really funny when you actually take a pause and you look at your your visions and your dreams and you're like oh this might need to tweak a little you know i think the most radical thing that you said in that 
that a lot of people have a hard time with is take a pause. Oh yeah. <laughs> take a pause the because power of a pause. the moment that you create space around something or an idea or a thought and you allow the energy to flow, I, I would say that 90% of the world's problems would be solved if we took the time to slow down. And mm-hmm. that is at no fault of our own because we live in a capitalist society that says you must earn to survive and you must keep going, going, going in order to produce, in order to be successful, to get what you need. And granted, there's so many great things about that being like, okay, I have personal responsibility. I can make my life whatever I want it to be. And when you're operating in that space, you are always thinking about what's next. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you keep going in autopilot that what's next isn't in alignment with what is. Yes. And oh, yeah. Well, last week I did a podcast episode. It's called I'll Be Happy When. You know, Ooh, it's shit. like, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm writing this podcast out. I'm like, I don't think I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> it's like, I'll be happy when. It's like, no, be happy now. You know, but in right. order to be happy now, you have to identify who is being happy now. Is it my authentic right. self? Or is I, you know, even your happiness looks different from being your authentic self and then not, you know? Say that again. Happiness looks different, and that's it's okay. Um, happiness looks different when you show up as your authentic self versus not, you know? Mm. Like mm-hmm. I, so I was married, and at that time that I was married, I was married from the ages of 27 to 30, I hadn't... Um, spent much time with myself you know I didn't know myself at all Mm. and Mm. so you know I was actually very much involved in the church growing up um, and that faded off into my 20s a little bit but who I was I was doing things that make me happy right I'm a a seven I'm not going to do anything that doesn't make me happy but what made me happy back then is very different than what makes me happy right now, you know, because I, I, once I started peeling back this onion layer, I'm like, actually, I don't like, I don't identify with this anymore. This doesn't make me happy. Right. It did at one point and there's beauty in that. Um, I can appreciate it, but as you really um, start to unlock your actual self, your happiness is going, like things are going to change and that's okay. You know? Yeah. People fear Would change. you say that prior to your marriage at 27, you were happy? Um, I, if you looked at me from the outside, yeah. uh, I, so an Enneagram 7, our core fear is to be trapped in pain. And I know nobody wants to be trapped in pain, but that is like the epitome of, oh my gosh, like I'm stuck, Right. And I don't like that. I don't want to be stuck. And um, I felt really stuck. So I looked for Band-Aids to patch a bullet hole. You know, um, actually, I don't, I don't know if you know the story, but when I was 23, um, I w- was dating a, a guy. He was in the Marines. And, you know, he was going to come back and we were going to get married and all these things. But he ended up not coming back from Afghanistan. And he, he was killed in action in 2010. And that was something that I did not process for a long time. 
you know, and I went back into, um, I think who I didn't really, my inauthentic self, because it was protection. You know, I didn't have to, like, I knew it, it was safe. And, um, I didn't want to process anything. I didn't want to discover anything. I just wanted to like kind of numb, um, self-medicate. Um, I went through this survival mode. Oh, survive total survival mode. And it, it was actually well after I was married where I started to open my eyes up to like, I haven't felt like myself for a really long time. Happiest Mm. person in the room though. Like from an outsider perspective, nobody would have guessed. Right. But inside, it's like, I feel very different inside than I do on this person who's on the outside, you know? Mm. And it's like, as you start to be brave enough and courageous enough to start peeling back those layers, then you really start to be like, you get a little taste of yourself. You're like, oh, I like this. Yeah. Oh, but then it's like really scary because I'm going to have to make some really big moves to keep feeling like this, you know? And it's it's scary, you know? And so... When you decided to, to come out to your dad, what was it that made you want to do that? Like, First of all, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And oh, you, I know that that, have you shared that on your podcast before? Um, a couple of mentions here and there, maybe not to I'm that. I'm sure it will help so many people. So thank you so much for sharing that. And so many people can relate whether it's a death of a loved one or numbing yourself in order to be successful or to make other people happy or to move away from fear, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, like some, someone can resonate with that. Um, What made me, your question was what made me actually cross the bridge and come out to my dad. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Was it, was it because, you know, he was dying of cancer or was it the timing right or what, what changed in you where you're like, you know what, I'm going to, cause that is a big step. Yeah. So there were actually a couple different times prior to hospice that my dad essentially um, made it known to me that I could confide in him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he actually knew it was about me coming out, but mm-hmm. There was actually this one time, it was in February. We had a, so my dad died in May. My sister and I surprised my sister, my sister and my, blah, blah, blah. my dad died in May. My sister and I surprised my dad and my mom in Chicago mm-hmm. in February prior to that May. And my dad wasn't doing great. And he would sleep in the lazy boy recliner in our living room. Mm-hmm. And I remember going and putting a pillow right next to the lazy boy recliner and sitting with him and holding his hand and he'd be asleep and he woke up and he's like, what do you have to tell me? Wow. And here I am like shitting my, Oh my gosh. You're like, and like, I'm like, what do you mean? He says, what do you have to tell me? Wow. That is crazy. And I said, nothing. And he goes, I'm here when you're ready and like goes back to sleep and, <laughs> and you're like, Oh, inside. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and oh then there were a couple more things that happened in hospice. One of them is at the end of his life, he would have these coughing fits mm-hmm. and in order for him not to choke on himself, he would spit up whatever came up. Yeah. And 
I would like sleep with one eye open to keep with like a little dish in my hand to run over to make sure that he didn't choke on himself. And it was like 2.30 in the morning and there were moments of extreme clarity in him because towards the end of your life, you start slurring your words, things don't make sense, you start Mm -hmm. seeing things. And he went through all the things in his life that he deemed as wrong or shameful or that he didn't want me to know because he was afraid of what I would think of him. Wow. And, And I just listened. And at the end, he said, do you still love me? And I was just like, absolutely, of course, like, no doubt. And I have the biggest goosebumps right now. Like it's, it was wild. And I had this moment where I said, dad just did what I wanted to do to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, it come out to him and yeah. said, like, show myself to him, whether, whether we label it as good or bad or sinful or not, or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's like, I just want to be known. Mm -hmm. And my dad just wanted to be known and know that he was loved anyways. Yeah. And, and for it actually too. Yeah. And then there was something else that happened that was like very personal and, and beautiful in our family. And at that moment that happened, I had, there were other people in the hospice room with me. I kicked them out and said, I knew that that was the time Mm -hmm. to come out to him and let him know. And the time was fading with him where there were hours where he wouldn't really wake up and then he'd like wake up with extreme clarity and Mm -hmm. go from there. And I was able to come out to him and it was a really, 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 really beautiful healing experience. And the thing that propelled me besides the signs of uh, him letting me know that I'd be okay (laughs) or the universe, God, spirit, angels, whatever you wanna say, was the fear of rejection was outweighed by the fear of my dad not fully knowing me. Mm-hmm. And wow. so that was the catalyst for me was because I've played the situation out so many times in my head is mm-hmm. will he disown me? Will he love me? Will he do me this? Will he do that? And finally I just had to like cut the bullshit and do it and rip the bandaid off and whatever happened would happen. And it ended up being so beautiful and so amazing. And that has truly impacted everything Yeah. that I do in this world as my unique self. Yeah. And asking myself the question of like, okay, what if, what if, I could do that or what if I actually could be truthful with what I want or what would life look like and taking space and time around it. And it's, it's been the most beautiful and heart wrenching at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Because I had come out to a couple people prior to that. um, But after that, I, I was like, okay, if I could do this with my dad, I could do it with a whole bunch of other people too. Yeah. And coming out was inextricably tied to the death of my dad now. Mm-hmm. And so it would always bring up all these feelings yeah. of sadness and loss and hope and joy and the fact that my dad's not here to travel through this journey with me and yeah. so on and so forth. Another onion layer. Um, 
here we go. Another you know? fucking onion layer. It's so <laughs> How funny big because is this fucking onion. <laughs> right. Know? My dad, my dad was so funny too. He would create acronyms for things that you just wouldn't. I, I played volleyball in high school and college and he would come to my matches and he'd scream on the sidelines. O-T-N-I-P. O-T-N-I-P. <laughs> wait, wait, let me try it on the inside. Um, O-T-N-I-P. Oh, wait. On the, actually, I don't know much about volleyball. Does this, <laughs> does this have anything to even do with volleyball? Something tells me it doesn't. Right. And people are like, what are you saying? He's like, over the net and play. As if it was like clear as day. Just being like, serve Duh. the ball over the net and play. Like, get it in bounds. Um, oh, my God. But he. Everyone uh, shows up with signs the next week like, oh, right. <laughs> And people are like, what the fuck are you saying? He and was definitely the, a seven for sure. One of the things my dad used to say is, ugh, another AFCO. I'm like, what's another AFCO? And what does that mean? He's like, another fucking growth opportunity. Oh. And so it's so funny when I'm like, when I know that there's a layer being pulled back or I know that I'm moving in a direction that might shake the foundation a little bit it's ugh, there's an afco yeah a fucking growth opportunity <laughs> I love it's like that. you're thankful for it and at the same time <laughs> you know that the peeling back hurts a little bit right but then you know it's going to be worth it you know like right. once you i'll say this for anybody who's um new to personal development it's really scary it's just like anything else it's really scary at first like the first time you do anything sucks and it doesn't feel good and then the second time you do it, you're definitely way less scared, right? And then it starts becoming like a pattern or a habit. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I know this is going to suck, but it's going to be worth it in the end, you know? And the sucking part sometimes doesn't get any easier, but you just know the confidence from the habit that's being produced leads you to like okay it's going to be worth it let me not shy away from this let me let me take the afco <laughs> you know right. what's the opportunity cost you know yeah right kind of like you know i love how you phrased that um when you share that beautiful story about your dad thank you for sharing that with me and of course i know everybody listening to this uh is going to be impacted by that so hmm. um thank you um wow more ways than you can imagine um but, you know, the, you didn't say that the fear went away, right? The fear of rejection did not go away. You weren't, like, as if you're waiting for that to go away, it's like, well, it's probably never going to go away. And so mm. if you are somebody out there who is waiting for the fear to go away, guess what? 99.99999 times or percent of the time, it does not go away. It just has to be outweighed by something, right? Mm -hmm. The... The, the desire, the need for your dad to know your authentic self weighed more, kind of going back to that teeter-totter, right? Right. Um, but this is more important, right? So right. same thing with, you know, the same mindset moving forward in your personal development journey. It's like, no, this is still here. This fear is still here, but man, this is going to be worth it, you know? Right. Like exactly. I need to show up as myself. That's going to be worth it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, funny because I, I really have a uh a bone to pick with fearless mm -hmm. oh the word fearless <laughs> yeah because I just don't think it's realistic I don't think that it's realistic and I and, and I I really think that fear is one of our biggest teachers mm. oh yeah well it's interesting 
and I coach on fear a little bit. Um, so here's another thing about um, five Enneagram five sixes and sevens. So each tri- um, each of the numbers are part of a triad. So okay. um, you have eight, nine, and one. They're part of the gut triad, which this is just basically like what fuels you, like how, what mm. motivates you to make a decision, right, or not mm. make a decision. And uh, two, three, and four is the heart triad, and then five, six, and seven is the head triad. And each of these triads is um, fueled by an underlying emotion. It's not saying you're you're walking around feeling this all the time, but this is what drives your decisions. You have easy access yeah. to this, and five, six, and seven is fear. <sighs> So it's like fight or flight, like fear is like the first, um, you know, emotion that pops up for two season fours, it's, it's shame. And then eight, nine and one, it's anger. So you just have easy access to these feelings because they drive your decisions where you're like, huh, like, I'm not going to do this because I'm scared of it, you know, or right. two season fours, I'm not going to do this because somebody might find out, you know, or, right. you know, things like that. But it's, I know it's. You're waiting for fear to go away. You won't be there for a while. You know? Right. You're gonna be paralyzed. Paralyzed. And and so it's one of the things that I think of when I think of fear is what's one thing that I can do to make this easier for myself? And I know this isn't necessarily about fear itself, but in terms of something that feels really hard for you, mm-hmm. what's one way you can make it easier? So for example, in the morning, I hate picking out my outfit to go teach my classes. Like if I could wear the same thing every single day and have it laid out for me, that would be something that I would invest in a hundred percent. Like if I didn't have to, I, 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 I think that's a personal assistant. Oh, is that what it's called? I think so. Uh, Wait, I have this really good idea. We'll have somebody lay out your clothes. Somebody pick out my clothes for me. And they'll even respond Um, to your emails. Right, exactly. But like, I think about it in the morning, that's my least favorite thing to do. And it always is like the last thing I do before I leave yeah. uh, for work. And so I do it at night now, because I, I have the energy and I get it yeah. done so that my morning is a little bit more, It I bring ease into my morning. Right. Uh, same thing when it comes to like a fearful decision. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you can do to make it just 1% lighter for yourself? Yeah. Oh, that's good. And that's because good. you, you know that that you're going to be better for it when you move through it. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is too, is we are not one dimensional beings. And this is something too, when I think about my journey coming out and me having to mute part of myself, mm-hmm. I was still me. Like I was still me. It was just like these other parts were amplified, but I had to push this other part down Yeah. now. Like, you can recognize that fear and joy can work together, that passion and uh, I would say, I was going to say punishment, but that's not the word that I'm looking for. What I'm trying to say is that there's so many things that mm-hmm. you think would be diametrically opposed that can work together. Mm, yeah. I love that. I love that because again, it's like, stop waiting for this to happen. Be happy now. Be this now. Be yourself right. now. Right. It's um, Casey Musgraves has a song called Happy and Sad. Oh, I need to listen to it. I like and her. It's, it's if country's not your thing, like you probably won't love it. But like she it, it, it articulates a lot of very human emotions being like, I'm happy and sad at the same damn time. And yeah, like 
that could be true. You're allowed to be you know? happy inside at the like, same time. After my dad died, it was like there was there's so many beautiful, happy moments mm-hmm. that brought my family together yeah. and was able to connect with my mom more and so many other things while still holding this gaping hole mm-hmm. in my heart that my dad used to fill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I so- love how they can both coexist because then and knowing that you don't because a lot of people feel guilty about being uh, happy or um or whatever it is, like my authentic self, right? Because if I feel happy, then then that means um, like I, sh- I should feel sad about so- some certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, oh, now I feel, well, if I'm happy, but I should feel sad. Um, right. Now I feel guilty about being happy. <laughs> and that's like another negative feeling. And Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, she talks about comparative suffering mm-hmm. and how like we can't be, if... So, like, for example, if someone's dad died, if my dad died and I had a friend whose both both parents died, yeah, it's not something that I should mute my grief because someone else has it worse. It's mm-hmm. like your feelings are your feelings. Right. Feel them. Yeah. Like, and they, it, the more that you feel your feelings, you'll be led where you need to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And you'll feel more like yourself, right? Because, uh, you know, I muted a lot of feelings and they were negative feelings that I just didn't want to process for a long time. And again, that led me to not feeling like myself, you know, Right. until I finally exactly. started like, oh, I should probably start peeling this onion back. Oop, my life is going to be Oh, come on, different. Afgos. Come on, Afgo. Afgo Bring onions. on all the Afgo onions. Oh, my gosh. That's what we should brand it as. Afgo onions. Afgo onions. An onion Afgo moment. If you thought it was a baby onion, joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most like non-life coachy thing I could have ever said. That's amazing. But but real. But so real. So real. And um shoot, you said something that I wanted to expand on that I absolutely loved that you said. And I and I lost it. It's all good. I know, but I love all the tangents that that we experienced. We, together. we went on a lot of tangents. <laughs> but it's but like I feel like this is a good example of life. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we want to make we want to make things packaged and neat, and sometimes that's just not what is on the table. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole fucking buffet of all the shit that you want to eat and all the stuff you want to talk about, and you do what feels right. And yeah, today feels right, Meg. Today feels right. Today does feel right. Ooh, like, yeah, like there's just showing up as yourself just it feels good you know like it just feels good mm-hmm. you know and it's once again it's going back to that space of if people took time for themselves to be still and listen mm-hmm. and write yeah. down their thoughts and recognize what's happening or meditate or pray or whatever it means for you to mm-hmm. stop going 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 and start being 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 oh yeah that's good that that will solve a lot of not solve but lead you to more solutions yeah no and that's that's so true because here's the thing is if you're not living your authentic life and you're then you're really not even experiencing authentic problems so when you go to solve your problems they are not even your problems so you get solutions that don't work so when you're like wait a minute i tried to fix this thing and it didn't work it's because it was never really your problem you got you know, uh, you had a, you experienced a problem that you think you should have 
And then so you got a solution that you also think you should have, but you there's a gap between this life that you think you should live and the life that you want to live. And so you're never going to solve all those, you know, or be led to solutions for actual yourself. Right. And there's this correct miss. Right. I, I hear that. I feel that. And I love the pause and just I think that's a, a big takeaway. Just pause, you know out there whoever you are except if you're not you know driving but pause just spend how many minutes five minutes just with yourself today absolutely and my friend morgan Lindsay, she's a yoga and meditation coach here in austin she says which i don't know if it's a paraphrase of someone else who said it but she always says uh the best meditation sometimes is just one breath in and one breath out mm. and start small start yeah. small you can't start small yeah there's there's no excuse not to 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 do that i think that actually does come from eckhart tolle he talks about something like that like where you know people are scared of this big meditation thing because like oh my gosh like what is meditation but literally just start with one breath in and one breath out absolutely you know? i love that Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on with me today. This was... I love you, my friend. I feel like we could have talked for all, about all the things for <laughs> I know. hours and well, hours and you're hours. Gonna have we to might have to have a part on. two and part three, part four, part five. We definitely need Enneagram at least. Seven yeah, we need, a, we need seven we... parts. <laughs> I feel like that would be majorly appropriate, you know? And That's then who it. knows, next time we talk, our onions could be looking completely different, you know? Uh, I could be a red onion. I could be a white That's onion. That's my could be favorite a kind. Onion. Do you have a favorite yes, onion? I like the red ones, especially in pico de gallo. And guacamole. Right. Do you like guacamole? Absolutely, honey. Do they make a, a, a nut guacamole or a sunflower or whatever you were? Oh, my gosh. Sunflower butter. <laughs> yeah, you're sunflower. You, can, you know what? One of the most unique guacamoles I've ever had had cranberry or it's not cranberries. I was going to um, be like, oh Pomegranate my God. seeds in it. Yes, and I've had that. And sunflower seeds, yeah. Sunflower. Okay, I don't like sunflower seeds. I love them. But you can make a butter. This is what we That's were talking right. about before the Come show. On, it's like this <laughs> butters and milks, and we don't even need cows anymore. People are gonna be like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> the sun. Get yourself some sunflower butter to butter your onion with. <laughs> Maybe we should just stop here. You know? Oh, sweet but. Jesus, we love it. <laughs> But, um, okay, so I, where can people find you? Uh, how do they connect with you? You're a huge connector. So how, how can people connect with you? Yeah, they... so I have a website, ChristopherJacobChandler.com. My friend, Danielle McCleary, she's my bestie. She always makes fun of me because she's like, it's so long. Like, why is your name so long? It's like, there's so many Chris Chandlers in the world. I yeah. have to use my full name. Right, right, right. Um, and then my Instagram is the same thing. Christopher Jacob Chandler. Um, you can fill out a form on my website about working together, whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, yeah. integrated nutrition coaching. I MC things. I have a network marketing business, like all that stuff. Wait, I want you to MC something for me. <laughs> well, like, so what I would do, I, I MC conferences 
And I'm oh. like the energy hype guy. Oh, yeah. So, Can you just put like professional hype man on your like list of things that you are? You just added something new to my resume. <laughs> I Thank love you. that. Like, I think that should be the, the, the thing at the top. Like, I'm a professional hype man. <laughs> professional hype man. Yes. My friend Danielle has a company called Hype You. And I was like, maybe I should be the counterpart, the hype man of Hype You. Who knows? Yes, you could. Um, I love her. that. Um, but that's where you can find me. And your website's so fun. I love it. Thank you. I love you. it. I love, it. I, love it. I love you. And thank you so much for, for coming on with me today. Um, so, yes, definitely follow Christopher Jacob Chandler and um, show him some love. I'm telling you, you will be inspired by his page. He is um, just so positive and honestly so magnetic. And you will learn how to make milk out of nuts on his on That his is true. That is <laughs> he true. Will, he I will, will teach you how to make <laughs> nut milk very easy with the almond cow. There but, we go. Wait, do you know how to make sunflower butter? Oh, I think you just grind them up together. Okay. Like you just grind it up. We'll, we'll, we'll follow back up on that next episode. <laughs> next episode. <laughs> I expect a full recipe. But um, we both believe in, and I love... Um, I love talking to, to you. It's great coach to coach, friend to friend, soul to soul, all, everything. But we both believe that you can create your life and that you can create your fate. So if we could leave you with just one thing, it would be this. Expect, Expect good, good things, things always. always. And they will happen. They will happen. Yes, they will. They, they are. So Always. They, always. And thank you so much. And we will talk to you all soon. Love you, friend. Love you, too.